do 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 do. Ba ba da ba da ba. Sorry about the song. Ooh, I like your song. No, I like your song. I was <laughs> just saying. Yeah. Okay. Do 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 do. <laughs> Nicholas was saying that we need to have a theme, a theme song. song. Yes. Maybe like sixties sitcom. I started hearing like the Muppet shows, and I'm like, okay. Yeah. Like marimba and strings are in that. The enlightened couch potato show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like super short, really, really quick. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I just, I, they're like, I just keep hearing the like versions of the look at me, here we are. Yeah, yes. we belong, right? <laughs> just like <laughs> sitting there on your couch watching different shit. Can we? Can we please? It could be so very enlightening. Because then there could be like a long version of it. And then there's like a short version that's just a little blurb, you know, that we have. Right. I totally. Think it's, please, please find either write it yourself or find one of your amazingly creative music music right. friends who can be like, oh, I can totally do a Muppet Show version of the theme song. It's right in itself. It's just coming uh, <laughs> out of the pores. Oh, boy. Channel it. So- Channel it. Look at us. Here we are. <laughs> mm, yeah. I, I mean, we're good now, right? You want to start? That's what I said in the song. Look at us. Here we are. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, is it Thursday? It's Thursday. Oh, Lord. Yeah. Normally, we do this Wednesday, except for last week when we didn't do it at all. Do we want to, like, say, hey, welcome yeah. to the show? Yeah, yeah. All righty. Dropping in. Okay. Hello, and welcome to Enlightened Cash Potato <laughs> Show. I am Adrienne Gunn, and I'm here with my I am Nicholas Rave, and here in this show, we explore how to watch movies and TV for maximum psychological and spiritual development. You know, I think I am a Muppet. <clears throat> like, literally. <laughs> like, le- not literally. Literally, though. <laughs> <laughs> literally, you think you're a Muppet. L- literally, literally, I'm figuratively a Muppet. Um, my sister used to say that one of my punchlines for jokes is I would tell a joke and then I would go. <laughs> and she said, I always look like Kermit the Frog, where he would just go, ah, <laughs> like with the Kermit big frog. Yeah. Yeah. I relate to Muppet as well. I don't know if you watched this. So I think it was maybe six or seven years ago. I wanted I was trying to figure out how to do video. Because video was super important in marketing and that sort of thing. And it seemed fun. Mm. And then I realized that entire time that my, there was a camera in my laptop. This is also maybe two weeks after I realized what selfies were. That there was a camera pointing at me with my phone. I never could figure that out. I was like, oh my god, there's a camera here. So my very, very first video is me trying to figure out. Because the, the way that the camera worked is I could see myself. But it was reversed like i'd move my arm and it wasn't right. mirrored right so i kept trying to figure out how to like gesture and like which direction i had to move to figure out what was going on and at the end i i, I clearly remember saying like i i feel like i feel like a muppet i i look <laughs> I, I look like a muppet there's there's i think it's on my blog somewhere scrolling back of my very first video where i really did authentically feel like a Muppet. And often, I guess I now have almost, I almost have Moki hair. Do I have Moki hair? I don't know. I've always felt like a red fraggle and animal. Yeah. Gonzo. I, I, oh. I relate to Gonzo a lot. He and I <laughs> very much. Yeah. He, who, who did the near far? Uh, which one are you referring to? Near far is not Gonzo's the one with the nose, but near far is the blue skinny monster on Sesame Street. Grover. <laughs> Grover. Another yeah. G. G. Grover's yeah. so sweet. So good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Super useful. I'm glad we could share that moment with you. So here's the thing. Yeah. We did an episode last week. I don't know if you've noticed, but there are a many thing going on in our current reality that are loud. strange times we're in some There's strange times right now and so we last week 
turned on some cameras and had a conversation that might be a useful conversation for people to hear about current events and, and how we're experiencing them and, and thoughts that we have that could be incredibly useful for people. But when we were having the conversation, we hadn't ever decided whether we were going to do an episode or not. We just kept having a conversation and then realized at the end of it that it could it could be a useful episode. We did talk about television. We did talk about current events. We did share personal experiences and reflections. And then today, in our conversation prior to now, that you didn't get to see, we thought it might be appropriate to not have that conversation yet because it requires rapport. Mm. Yeah, I, I think the... The way we talked about it was that um, sometimes it's helpful to have people point out what you're missing, like in your perspective. Mm -hmm. And one of the principles that you and I both understand very deeply about being helpful and helping people to change their perspective is that timing is an important part of that, that Mm -hmm. you have to be able to get into the person's model of the world to let them, to help them understand that you get where they're coming from, that you feel what they're going through before you start offering any other thoughts, any advice, like don't try to fix it. That's the simplest advice. Mm -hmm. First is if somebody, you know, don't try to fix it first, try to get into rapport with their experience and don't start offering stuff until they're ready. Yeah. So we sort of felt like this might be a useful conversation for some people. It was helpful for us. Yep. And uh, we just sort of felt like now might not be the best time. Yeah. It helps. It helps to have challenging conversations. Well, you can have, you can have life altering conversations, but the biggest thing you need is rapport and you need, People are willing to see new perspectives when they benefit themselves. Right. They're, they're emotionally invested. That's how change works. It requires yeah. connection and rapport and understanding, and it requires some level of personal, emotional stakes or investment. Yep. And it's very challenging to, to, for us at this point to know who we're talking to. We were talking to each other in that conversation because we are slowly growing an audience of people who wants to show up and watch movies and television, engage in their world in a different way and allow who they're being and how they're taking in information to, to shift them. So we could sort of assume that if you're watching this show that you may have already adopted this mindset that everything that I choose to watch, I'm allowing it to change me for the better. And we don't have a lot of feedback coming back from people to know whether what we were talking about was useful in that. In that yeah. Time. Well, and I think it, it speaks to another point that, uh, uh, that we've talked about before, that the important thing about this frame that the movies and TV that you consume or the stories and entertainment that you consume can be more than entertainment. Um, part of it to me is you have to surrender to your bliss, the thing that guides you to watch what it is that you want to watch. And if in the middle of this whole thing, everything that's been going on, you want to go back and, you know, I I, I started running through a list of movies last week about, uh, like, I watched Roots and 12 Years a Slave and American History X and all these different stories from my past that have influenced my perception of um, race and these different issues in our culture. And sometimes when there's something crazy going on in the world, that's where you're going to be called to go watch things that are about that. But sometimes in the middle of all that, you're going to be called to watch uh, the Simpsons, <laughs> mm-hmm. or you're going to be called to watch fucking Tiger King. Like, I, I don't know <laughs> what it is that you're, <laughs> what it is that your heart is calling you to watch. But the point is to trust that whatever it is that you feel compelled to watch right now, there's a reason there's something in there for you. And I think that's kind of uh, one of the lessons of, 
enlightened couch potato is trust what you want. Trust what you're craving. Mm -hmm. Well, and trust that your unconscious mind, whatever you choose to watch, knowing what you need right now is going to highlight and show you what you need mm-hmm. in, the, in the shows that you're choosing to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the other things, like I, I, I decided several times over that I had no interest in coming up with a list of things, like the list of shows that people should, could be watching right now. I yeah. already decided that, like, I think last week. Yeah. And, uh, and the other thing that I decided last week was that, that I have like 8,000 points of view on what is currently happening and there's yeah. no medium other than personal relationships that I've developed over time that I feel comfortable like engaging in. I mean, I yeah. don't know if it's comfortable, but it just seems like there's, there's something else, there's something happening right now. There's movement, there's, there's protest, there are people sharing and engaging in a particular way. And what I feel called to and drawn to do is not likely going to fit into 140 characters on Twitter, a two to five minute video on Instagram, a couple of series of posts on Facebook. Like the the, the through line for me of explaining a, a lived experience of not being a white person, actually not being an anything person uh, in this society, I'm not going to be able to like spin that down for you in two minutes. I can't, you know. I have I have multiple viewpoints of my own self. I like people really really want there to be like a clear slogan or a clear line or and it's just not. I've never had the the fortune, I suppose, of being able to belong to any one place such that I can give a one perspective. I've been in the middle of so many things that I I'm like cool. I see everybody's right. Everyone's right. Everybody's perspective is valuable, and I get it, and it's useful. So here we are spending the first however many minutes of our podcast explaining why we're not going to talk about what we're talking about right now. (laughs) (laughs) And we're just going to get back to business as usual, and we're going to do what we normally do in this show, which is talk about the things that we've been watching and how it's been impacting us and the insights that we've got from it. Brilliant. So you want to go first or me? Uh, yeah, Nicholas, what have you been watching? Well, I had an insight. <laughs> it was like a meta insight. It wasn't just an insight about the movie. It was an insight about insights and about <laughs> enlightened couch potato okay. in general. <laughs> yeah. I'm really excited because so. I'm anticipating it's probably something that I've said. But I'm really just because I'm being snarky. Oh, did you have an insight that it was something I told you? Uh, it could be. <laughs> no, sorry, I'm just being a fucker. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't be the first time that I was like, hey, I just came up with this really amazing idea. And you're like, do tell. <laughs> ah, no, I'm excited. You had an insight about insights. No, it was just a deeper thing that I know. I'm sure we have talked about this, but the idea that... Um, There are lots of different ways that you can suck more value out of the movies and TV that you digest. Um, There's not one right way to do that. There might be an infinite number of ways that you can do that. And the point is not to say here is the correct way to watch movies or TV to get it. It's there's a more there's more art to it than that. Yeah. And I think that I had, I wasn't even aware that I was still stuck in a paradigm of you need to fit all the stories through a process, but that really, I think the higher level of understanding the enlightened couch potato is trying to promote is the idea that you're going to get insight out of whatever you're watching, if you set the intention that you want to get insight from it and that it might show up in a dramatically different ways. So this insight came to me when I was watching Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh, sweet. <laughs> That's a movie, so, just a game? Yeah, it, it's a movie that came out and, um, and I was watching it and I was like, there isn't 
a simple way for me to like read deeper emotion, like archetypal significance into this movie. Uh But when I just was like, ah, let's just enjoy it. All of a sudden I found myself getting different kinds of insights from it. And um, mostly they were about, um, Jim Carrey, because he was the villain in the movie and uh, he was spectacular, like just classic Jim Carrey over the top. And it's just so interesting to see how uh, like I've I've listened to a lot of interviews with him because I, I find him a very fascinating character. I know you and I have had multiple conversations. I won't even call them. I have no emotional charge. This is like, okay. do you, can right. you sense my relaxing? Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> Super embodied. I'm not, I'm not disconnected. Good. I'm right here with you. So it's just, there was something uh, that he shared in an interview a long time ago about how he said he had a very lonely and very sad, difficult childhood and that he spent a weird amount of time staring at his face in the mirror, making faces. Me too. And like learning how this thing works and how you can express more. And it's a weirdly narcissistic thing. And, and it fits for me very much in NLP in that, like, I imagine that he, given his mastery over physical and emotional expression, uh, I get this sense that he like dissected it in a way that's very uncomfortable for people. It's like, <laughs> you know, the expression, like if you want to ruin a joke, explain it. Yeah. Um, like explaining a joke is like dissecting a frog. Yes. You'll understand how it works, but you'll kill the frog in the process. Totally. I, I think that a lot of like learning about communication for me is learning about how simple human beings are. Like we're a lot simpler than we think and we want to think that we're super complicated and we're not we're very basic creatures in a lot of ways and that's uncomfortable for people but there's a freedom on the other side of that and watching Jim Carrey for some reason makes me think about that it makes me think about like learning how to I don't know, clear the gunk out of your system so that when you're expressing or feeling something, you can feel it at a level that is so far beyond what most people can feel and express and how much physiology relates to what you feel. Like watching the way he moves his body and the way he's hyper flexible and mobile, um, but like in control of his movements, even when it looks wild and out of control, it's very intentional. And um, yeah, I just watching his performance at 50 something years old, just yeah. being an absolute goofball. Um, I know so many people are like, Oh, Jim Carrey's such a weird over, especially in his Ace Ventura days, but like all he does is just overact. Yeah. And a lot of people really enjoyed watching that. Totally. Yeah. There's something there. I've also been compared to Jim Carrey on a number of occasions when I'm like in my wildest, like trying to be funny self, like on stage that I, yeah. I do get to this like Muppet like <laughs> expression. <laughs> We're back to the Muppets. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was just thinking about your comparison to Jim in front of the mirror, figuring out what his face can do. And so the, the, the paradigm of NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming, is, is having a bunch of engineer brainiac types figure out how change works, how success works, how communication works when it's successful and also when it isn't. And then creating an entire system to completely consciously understand things that happen unconsciously and mm-hmm. in our body and under, like mm-hmm. understanding the schematic of who we are as people. And it's really funny because there is this bit where 
you go in and you dissect it all and you figure out the individual components of communication. And there's a level of which you're like highly, highly, highly aware of it. And you train and you wiggle and you, you, you utilize the techniques and you like figure it out. Right. But then there's a process of allowing it to be unconscious again, because then you, you've, you've explored it, you've learned it. Yep. And it's not dissimilar to how we form as human people anyway, this like, right. Jim deciding to spend time in his youth working out all the muscles in his face. That's what we're doing when we're wiggling around as tiny people figuring out like, what is, what does this do? And, and modeling and seeing other people do stuff. And can I, am I a person who can wink? I don't know. Like we, we try it on and not, not everybody continues to explore after they have some level of like, Oh, I said some words. Did I get food? Cool. Then I don't have to learn more words because I got food. Um, and then we're like, oh, my God. You, you can like you can like your body can be near other people. And then there's a ball and then the ball moves around. And that's exciting. And there's many people there. And then you have to figure out, oh, that's fucking soccer or oh, that's basketball. Oh, I have to learn new ways to use myself so I could do this thing that looks super exciting. And then at some point in life, people are like, well. I learned enough communication to get sex and the food and I can play with some people and I watch some stuff. I'm done. I'm out. I don't need to expand right. and grow more than that. Yeah. But there's this always is like a- round two of developing yourself. It's like bringing stuff that had already been set in stone out of it and being like, oh, no, no, you can do this again. You can keep doing this. Yep. And yeah. that that makes me think of Jim Carrey's like the documentary, which you and I've talked about, about um, like him being another person for an extended period of time, which in a sense is like that very much like that child experience of I'm going to construct a whole new identity, a whole new way of thinking, a whole new way of moving, a whole new beliefs about the world. And then once you've done that, once, twice, more than once anyway, who are you Yeah. after that? Who, who are you if you've been two people or a more mm-hmm. and you've been one for so long you forgot the one you grew up as? It's an interesting kind of freedom to me to go, yeah. you don't have to be who you were yesterday, today. You don't even have to be who you were up to this breath on the next breath, you can just be a different person. Yeah. And I think at this point, for a lot of people, it's going to be easier to allow themselves to just uh, be the people on the TV because it's mm. not everybody practices. You and I have had in the past conversations about that horribly dumb saying, walk a mile in someone else's shoes. Yeah. Yeah. It's a dumb saying because it doesn't actually ask you to do what it's asking you to do. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's a, it, like, it, like if you it, don't it the walk point. a mile in someone else's shoes because you're going to be yourself complaining about that the shoes don't fit and judging that person the same fucking way you were before. No, the idea is figure out how to be another person. Yeah. What is their experience actually like? Not what would you be like in their shoes? What yeah. would it be like to be them in their shoes? That's respecting other people's models of the world, which is yeah. very appropriate for the time we're in right now too absolutely yeah i (laughs) um so did you did you just have like it was just a jim carrey expression moment is that your is there anything else about it i mean it was funny like it it was legitimately entertaining which is not normal for video game movies i don't know if you know but there's like a curse of video game adaptations like almost all of them are garbage (laughs) and like notoriously garbage and it's like it's this thing where everybody who's like a video game fan is like there are really great stories here and somebody could come along and try to adapt them yeah but nobody has taken the care or um or for some reason the the magic in a bottle that happens with book adaptations like Lord of the Rings or something right. that has not happened with video games. I'm not saying Sonic the Hedgehog is like some grand <laughs> whatever, but, <laughs> but it, it was, could have been. this thing was like fun and like a good, good like textbook story structure, mm-hmm. but it, it was, it, it had enough homage, but not super annoying 
uh, to the video games. And it, it was like, yeah, that was really good. And Jim Carrey's like 90% of why it worked because he's just, he's a, a joy to watch in this movie. It's really hilarious. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I, I don't think there was any particular more insights on that one. <laughs> I have watched some other stuff, but what about you? I am attempting, I might have to just ask my unconscious which thing to talk about. <laughs> I have these notes over here, the things that I've watched. I think I need to talk about Alicia Keys' uh, audiobook. <laughs> oh. Because when I, when I reflect on, so, so last week, when I was feeling stirred up and not sure what to watch, I've been, I've been you know, as I, as I feel different levels of stress in these, like, rust, restless times uh, and somewhat trauma-triggering times, I was like, I'm not, I don't want to watch any of the movies that remind me of what's already in my fucking body. I don't necessarily need a reminder. So I was trying to find something like light, but then something that might serve the show. So I ended up watching the final Star Wars movie. The, what is it? The last, the Jedi? Is that? No. What is it? The rise of Skywalker is the last. The last, last Skywalker? The rise of rise Skywalker. Of I will believe you because you precision around that is important to you. So I watched that and it was great because it was uh, didn't ask anything from me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and nope. I, since I had so low expectations, I didn't get mad at anything this particular time. I'll, I felt like it asked although, a lot from me. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did have a I did have a, a racially charged uh, grumpy moment after. I like to pay attention to these sometimes. I'm just like, cool, cool. So um, so instead of making a bunch of people mad about the romantic potential romantic connection between the the Asian chick and the black guy, what they did is they got the one other magically wonderful. Uh, and talented black lady. Also, she has a horse. Good for her. And they, like, dropped her in. It felt like the 80s were like, oh, good. They made another romantic connection for the black guy because, what? She was awesome. But I was like, this is dumb. This is... Dude, don't, don't open the floodgates. I could talk for hours about how many things that I hate about that movie. <laughs> <laughs> and... uh it was awful that like they were so deliberate about making sure that these two people weren't connected that the only time they said hello was across a fucking spaceship. I was like, oh, cool. Then good. They solved. What are they fixing? She's anyway. So that felt grumpy and wrong. But what felt really neat was that the, 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 this evil empire gets taken down. And that felt an evil empire needed to go down, and I'm I'm pretty pretty. That was satisfying enough for me to like get to sleep that night without without having too much struggle. Uh, but the Alicia Keys book is not a movie, and oh. I have found myself having. <laughs> uh, you don't say. <laughs> I know an emotional response to it. In the mornings, I will listen to podcasts or. Uh, TED Talks or spiritually based like meditative thoughtful things and I had been listening to Brene Brown's new podcast and I got to the episode where she's going to interview Alicia Keys about her book and I was like well shoot that just popped up in my library feed maybe I should maybe I should listen to it I, I listen to audiobooks it's pretty fun is this like autobiographical or I, yeah I think she called it isn't it called More Me I don't really know the title uh, it is yeah it is her memoir okay of her life up to this point. And this is probably the freaking like seventh or eighth book that I have listened to of a person I don't know much about. <laughs> so, so I'm like, <laughs> I listened to a Liz Fair, Liz Fair's memoir. Uh, and I think I know one Liz Fair song. And then there's this chapter where she talks about her vagina in great, great, great detail poetic perhaps just highly visceral and i was like i think that i need to have had more exposure to her than one song to know this much about her vagina it seemed really intimate <laughs> and then i'm like amy Schumer's I mean, she book. wrote it <laughs> <laughs> no i mean she can tell whoever she wants yeah it just felt 
more than I was ready for. Uh, Amy Schumer. Yeah, it does seem a little like I wasn't sure I was signing up for this. (laughs) uh, Abby something. She's a comedian. Went Broad City. I haven't like these are all people that I listen to their books, but I don't know any of their work. Are these all like memoir autobiographical? Yes. Yeah. Wow, that's yeah. cool. I, I think that's an amazing like way to sort of glimpse other people's models of the world. And yeah. especially when people are really honest, you can learn a lot from from biographies and autobiographies. I yeah. Think. Well, and it's a really interesting thing to hear them reading. So there's there's the experience of reading a written piece and you can read it. There's a cadence that like punctuation yeah. indicates. And then I have a feeling that there's something I don't know about uh, how audiobooks are directed because there's a similar cadence in them that's not necessarily naturalistic to co- communication. Mm-mm. So you can sometimes get the poetry of what they're writing, but there's something else going on. And here's, here's what's happening for me as I listen to Leash Keys. It's possible it's a really great book. <laughs> One of the things that happened is I had an emotional response because she was describing this moment on stage where the universe takes over. And I think she was de- describing her performance on Oprah's show. And she described this thing that I've absolutely viscerally felt. And I'm mm. not sure how we'll get to return to it yet because mm. of like, we don't know what stages are going to be like in live performances and events. You mean post quarantine and all post quarantine, how that, yeah. how that's going to show up. And I just, it's one of my favorite places to be is mm. in this place where the universe takes over and it's part yeah. and it's part divinity. And so I just started like crying in my kitchen at this moment mm. that she described. Oh, I saw you post about this. Yeah. Okay. I remember now. Well, I was crying in my kitchen and then Facebook put up a photo of me performing. It was one of my last, uh, singing gigs. Hmm. Uh, I've, I've, what am I, five and a half years of a break from performing music in, in public. But um, so that was fun to have a visceral response and remember like how important that is. And then also recognize that that, that charge, that feeling can show up in a lot of other places in life. And I'm getting more and more experience of recognizing that that ability to flow energy in that big way is available in all parts of my life, which is nice. But one of the things that's been challenging for me is that, and I hope I can describe this well. So Alicia Keys at this point in her life, I think she's maybe 40, 39, something like that. Uh, the book is being shared as looking back probably 25 years and talking about all of her <laughs> success. So she is now a highly successful person. She is talented at her craft and she has achieved a whole bunch of things. And the way that she reads this book and the way that she wrote this book for the most part is from a highly focused, positive perspective. So every time that she talks about any of her challenges in her adventure, Mm. they're completely bypassed. Uh, She's not, She's not, and that's fine. What was challenging for me is I kept finding myself being really fucking jealous and grumpy as I was listening to her tell her true story of, (laughs) and it just sort of came off like this. I was little and then a piano came into my life, Providence, Divinity, and then I started playing it. And then I got into this highly regarded uh, music school for arts. And then I was the valedictorian. And then I met this guy at this party and he is friends with this dude who'd always fought for me. And he was my first manager. He got me two, like six labels fighting over me at age 16 or whatever. And then, and then Clive Davis, the most famous blah, blah, blah. He bought me out of my contract with Columbia that didn't work quite well. And it's like everything I ever tried, it just fucking worked. And I just always stood in my own. I just always had this sense of myself. And then I just stayed true to my truth. And then I just did it. And it always worked out. And I'm just in my kitchen listening to me get really fucking pissed off. And even the hard shit that took months and they didn't know and blah, 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 whether she like her career would end. You don't feel it because she's in her 
I did it place writing and it's poetic and wonderful, but I'm just like, and so for about three days of listening to this experience, I just kept watching and I've talked about how watching your own resistance to content can be useful. Yeah. I've just kept listening to my grumpiness and allowed it to be, I just, with the belief, I was nurturing of it. I wasn't fighting. I was like, cool, I'm hearing my jealousy. Even when she's talking about meeting her soulmate and they've got fuck tons of money and like doing these just giant romantic gestures that they're like, <laughs> see, like hanging out with Bono and fucking Obama. Like all of it's beautiful. And I'm just hearing myself go like, ah, what is this grating feeling? And part of what was showing up for me was a lot of what she believes in her language are things that I have felt and believed about myself and in my own language of possibilities, right? And I'm like, I am feeling and honoring the dissonance between this truer sense of me and the world that is full of opportunities and a little bit of hurt, ache, and bitterness that is showing up to remind me that I could I can make a choice and begin to hear the language of success and whatever that vibration is and notice the dissonance and choose whether I want to align with it. But the other thing that's come up for me is that as a storyteller, and you get this as a hypnotherapist, you cannot, it could be a more effective journey for someone to come with you if you actually associate to the pain. And that as a device in storytelling, that she has bypassed it, it means that I don't actually get to feel her embodied shift from the challenging moments in her life to the positive. So she got to have all of these wonderful shifts and changes, and she got to have reinforcement for choices that she made, but she's not taking me along in that journey in this book. And I'm like, cool. I can remember that when I'm telling my own story about how important it is and how the perspective that is useful for someone to have a journey with you requires actually dropping them into and associating them to the pain. You don't have to drop them fully into it, but there is a responsibility for someone to actually appreciate and feel and have their own transformation with you that you don't gloss over those moments. These are not the places where a montage needs to happen. The first thought that I had when you mentioned, uh, when you started talking about an audiobook, a, a autobiographical audiobook, was I was like, <clears throat> we should maybe tie this into movies and TV. And the thing I was going to say is, if you think that an autobiography is not a story... <laughs> You don't understand how stories work because you can't tell everything about everything that's ever happened in your life. Mm -hmm. So constructing that is an artistic choice. It's a choice just like a fictional story, a true story, even though all the events are true. Uh, the ones you decide to tell, the way you decide to tell it, and the ones you leave out make up a story. Yep. And the same rules of storytelling, what makes a good story, apply to your story. They talk about this in marketing a lot. Mm -hmm. um, but, I mean, let's just say Brene Brown. Like, how interesting that you're listening to Brene Brown's podcast, that she well, is the queen I, of vulnerability, right? Wait, 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 wait. I wanted to listen to the episode yeah. with Alicia Keys, but I'm like, oh, this, they're going to talk about this book. This right. Book exists in my thing. I better go listen to the book so that I yeah. have a sense of what they talk about. Because Brene starts the thing like, <laughs> she starts the interview, but like, I felt like I was reading your autobiography, but you were telling me more about me. And I'm like, fuck. So I paused the podcast. I stopped listening to it. And I started listening to this book. Right. So... What it sounds to me like there's it's vulnerable to share the struggle. 
it's vulnerable to share the pain mm-hmm. on that struggle. Uh, it's easier to just be like, even if you will acknowledge that you're like, of course it was hard. Of course I had tough times, but I don't focus on those things because I'm, I'm focused on making stuff happen and, and get, get going out there and getting after it. And even when there's struggles and challenges, I focus on what I want and I make it happen. That's a valid perspective. Totally. It's shitty storytelling. <laughs> Yes. Well, and the thing that I was getting mad at was like, I bet this is how she got through all of that. Yeah. I bet this is a <laughs> strategy. Yeah. And it's not helping me figure out. Yeah. Well, maybe it is helping me figure out, like, just ignore the pain. I don't know. I yeah. don't think I'm in it. I have preferences that suggest it could be more powerful to drop us into an emotional experience differently. And yeah. I'm not saying she doesn't do that anywhere in the book. The, the part where she was explaining the moment on stage doing the Oprah show and how that got there, her storytelling dropped us into that scene in a way mm. that hadn't, hadn't happened in moments, you know, before. Yeah. The, the story of, you know, uh, John McClane in, Die Hard would not be very interesting if he was like, well, I got on a plane and I went to this uh, Christmas party uh, with uh, my wife's work and um, and then it was fine and we had a great evening and then we went home. (laughs) (laughs) That's not an interesting story. Die Hard is interesting because John McClane has to go through hell to come out the other end and successfully triumphantly finish the story yeah (laughs) i just i just loved how wonderful an avatar she was for everybody seeming to just get her vision and allow her to be herself Mm. (laughs) like what 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 music business is this that she's in it's not entirely true but it's just the way that she like the things she pointed to is like Why is there a little struggle? This makes me think of a question, though. So uh, uh, maybe what if she really didn't struggle? No, I'm thinking that. What if what if she like maybe it's partly her beliefs about the world that she goes out and she expects things to work and they do. um, And she expects it so clearly and congruently. But also maybe she hasn't dealt with some of the difficulties that you have or that other people have. Yeah. Um, not, not to say that she hasn't had any, but maybe they were different ones. Like maybe like some people I know are great at making money and horrible at relationships. And other people I know are really good at relationships and horrible at making money some people their challenge their struggle is food Mm -hmm. some people their struggle is they're giving their gift you know like getting out there and uh so maybe her struggles are things that she uh, didn't share in the story or maybe she's just one of those people who moves through life the way we all wish that we could and maybe we all can if we keep working on our shit. Well, and the other thing is she's definitely not the human she was when she started the story. Like it's mm. really challenging for a person to have achieved all of the things that they wanted to achieve to go back and try to tell a story from who they were then because they're not that person anymore. Yeah. Um, and so I kept, I kept sort of popping in and, and asking myself what I noticed was that her stories about possibility and her stories about love and those sorts of things, when I was finding myself grumpy about that, and I was like, well, I guess this means that I get to start now watching shows that remind me uh, more about engaging in hope and, mm. and love. I accidentally, I was, two weeks ago, I started watching a lot of independent flicks, like uh, Two in the Bush and... Um, like a bunch of really cool indie flicks that are great. 
and I accidentally came up with a really good idea for a movie that I could write. And it would require me to remember what it was like to be like 19 and believing that the world was like conquerable mm. and be that kind of invincible and remember what that kind of mindset would be. And to remember like early versions of what love could be and that mm. sort of romantic dreamy stuff that I'm not like connected to right now. And I was like, mm. Oh shit, I had this really great idea for a movie I could write. I would have to remember some things. Yeah. When you right now, when you were first talking about like what it was triggering in you, yeah. The the thought that I had is at one point you said she was saying a lot of things that I believe, and it but it was and it was pissing you off. And and my extrapolating brain was like, well, it seems like maybe you don't believe them quite as much as she does. <laughs> maybe you have evidence to back up why you don't believe them because it hasn't worked out for you the way that it did for her. And that part is like, fuck you. Like, (laughs) how come I believe that shit? And I haven't had everything 16 fighting over. God damn it. So (laughs) (laughs) the album only got like, it got four Grammys and this other (laughs) album just blew up the world. Jay-Z and like, this is a, a, perfect example of how sometimes watching or listening or digesting stories that piss you off can be just as valuable. I'm not necessarily going to say more so just as valuable as things that move you to tears as things that inspire you to go out and fucking get it. That why does this piss you off? Why is it bothering you so much? Maybe there's something in there for you to heal. Yes. That has been, yeah, that has been my experience with this particular piece. I love it. Yeah. Uh, what are we doing <laughs> on time? Hmm? It's 47 minutes. You want to keep going? I don't know. Maybe. maybe I, got, not. I, got an, I got another one. What are you up to? What'd you see? So I watched a movie. This is going to be hard to talk about without spoilers, though. Yeah. So you finally watched Edge of Tomorrow, right? I did. Okay, so another one of those action flicks that I mentioned to you is a movie called Upgrade. I I had you put it on your list. Yeah. Science fiction, future story. Uh, How much do I want to share? Because I watched it uh, with Lindsay and she didn't know anything. And there were several moments where she was like, oh, crap. Where if you'd seen the trailer, you wouldn't have had that moment right. of like, oh, my God, I can't believe this is happening. Upgrade. It's new. It's old. It's fairly new. It's like 2017, 18. I'm going to not so discreetly uh, look at the title. Yeah, it's really it's good. I liked it a lot. Oh, I, I have a problem talking about it, though, because I don't even want to mention another movie that it's like, because even that is a spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, I don't know. Should I should I ruin it or should you go watch it? <laughs> I'll probably go watch it. Actually. I think you'd really dig it. And I have some points that I think I feel like it could be a fertile ground for conversation. I did watch Edge of Tomorrow. You gave me that homework. Did, did awesome. we talk about it already or did we, we do that last week? We talked about it in the episode that we didn't launch. You want to talk about it now? Because holy yeah. crap, that's a great movie. Holy crap. So Edge of Tomorrow. You first. Uh, can I ruin it in this way? I mean, spoilers, folks. If you haven't seen Edge of Tomorrow. I'm going to do one spoiler and I don't okay. know that it. It doesn't exactly ruin the movie. <laughs> I mean, I think I can share a thought without spoiling it. I think it lives in a world that's really, really important. I think right now when we like have no idea where the world will settle, with a lot of unsettling new things going on, that there is a story form you could return to that will give you, give you a sense of um, levity. So the movie Groundhog Day has that format has been repeated a bunch of times and I love it. There's so many different TV shows that I've watched that have done their groundhog day episode. Oh, Xena warrior princess has one. 
I don't remember if Buffy has one. I know that like Dark Matter and Legends of Tomorrow and Flash and even Arrow has one. I think what? Farscape has one, which is a show I've been watching lately. Nice. And what's really, I saw some horror movie that was based, it had that format and it didn't work. The, the challenging thing with using that format is that the structure of the day keeps repeating or the, you know, the chunk of time keeps repeating is there's a point at which the characters get frustrated, but the, uh, you can't lose your audience there that the structure it's like, I, I think of it as the, like the snake eating its own tail. Yeah. The Ouroboros. Ouroboros. And the idea that like, as a creator utilizing that form, it's, there's a trap there. You don't want the person watching to to get so frustrated with the day repeating that they check out of the movie or right. leave the episode, and that's that's an interesting kind of puzzle to figure out as a as a creator. Yeah, like how to keep things interesting and exciting enough that your concept doesn't eat itself. Yeah, I think there's a reason why people go back to that story trope, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, it, it speaks to a condensed form of the past lives reincarnation metaphor. Mm-hmm. So whether you believe in reincarnation or not, for real, I find it to be an incredibly useful metaphor. And it's something we hypnotists use a lot for like past life regression and stuff like that. And the thing I always tell people is it doesn't matter whether you believe it's true or not, like you actually were Napoleon or whatever. The point is that by pretending that it's true, you can unlock resources and experiences that your imagination can generate for you that can prove valuable right now in the life you actually are living in. Um, Some people think that those past lives that you go to are real, but movies like Groundhog Day and Edge of Tomorrow and Russian Doll and stuff like this are about breaking free of the cycle of reincarnation, which is something in Buddhism they talk about a lot, that you're stuck in this loop because you're mired in the illusion. They call it Maya. You're, you're, you're stuck in the belief that this shit matters, <laughs> that like all the stuff that you're concerned about in this life and breaking free of it is like rising above that loop and getting to a place where you don't repeat it anymore. And Groundhog Day is such a perfect example. Hopefully this one's not too Uh, late to spoil but the idea is that he becomes better he becomes the version of himself that he's supposed to be through this process and now he's out of the loop yeah and that loop is not just reincarnation that loop is the one that plays out in your fucking shower right Right. yes in the car like we do that in our own mind it's a program that lives inside us of attempting to replay and re-script and try new shit. It was like, oh, I should have said this thing. Yeah. Bam. That's why it's such a powerful metaphor is that's subjectively what you're actually doing every day is like every day is exactly the same. And there's these patterns you run and you're not even aware that you're running them. And stepping out of it is a lot of the NLP idea of like working on yourself instead of in yourself. And yeah. So for me, my favorite thing about <laughs> Edge of Tomorrow, and I hope this isn't too much of a spoiler, but it's the character journey. It's uh, First yeah. of all, I love seeing Tom Cruise as an asshole, yeah. which is fucking awesome, like a cowardly jerk, yeah. right? Which is so fun. And then to see him go on this journey, and my favorite, my favorite thing uh, to imagine is the people who knew him before – the story started and then he goes on this journey and then from their perspective what happened to him (laughs) he just got on an airplane and then came back a completely different person yeah that is in another profound we talked earlier about who are you going to be this time like when you wake up in the morning How come you have all the same problems you had yesterday? Because at some point you had to wake up and go, oh, right, right, right. I remember I'm addicted to sugar (laughs) or, oh, oh, right. I remember I procrastinate on stuff. And 
I, I like thinking about what if everything that happened in Groundhog Day, for instance, was a brain aneurysm? <laughs> like, what if he had a stroke <laughs> and that entire experience was a hallucination? But on the other side of it, he's a completely different person because he believes that it happened. That is how the uh, Legends of Tomorrow episode goes. Really? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, okay. Like, it is so good because it takes it takes the metaphor higher of the idea that, like, here's this opportunity. You get the, the, the rule is you get this do-over to find the lever that makes all the difference. And they keep poking around and poking around. And nearly every arc, they keep poking around at these external circumstances. And sometimes that works. And sometimes they figure out who they have to connect to and who they missed and what they didn't do. But almost always, well... No, it's not an almost always. Most of the time, the moral is that they have to become a different person mm. in order to they have to have they have to have evolved in such a great way. Yeah. To to change the situation. And what yeah. I love about watching it as somebody who can just sort of drop into a state where you're like, OK, if we're telling people they can show up and watch television, it's like I have this challenge. I'm going to watch this show. Yeah. These are like insurmountable, you always die challenges. Right. Like, it's usually how this is like, like there's no, there are no higher stakes to be had, right? And yeah. so choosing one of these shows or movies and then dropping into the state of like, I'm going to let this be my goofy fun metaphor for how I can shift or change anything yeah. that seems impossible in my yeah. life. Whew. I love it. I think yeah. I think probably any one of these Groundhog Day type type structures would be great for watching right now. I've noticed a theme in movies that that resonate very deeply with me and I think resonate with a lot of other people too of waking up to your past lives, waking mm -hmm. up to your ancestors, waking up to the that which has come before you. And I I think that these types of stories are really obvious on that, but there's other ones where, I mean, even Rise of Skywalker tried to do it at the end with all the Jedi talking oh, about yeah. but that. To me, it, it did not land. But there have been other stories more recently where they do that same thing, and it's so effective. Um, uh, Frozen 2 was mm -hmm. one that we've talked about, which I really want to discuss those movies with you. Um, and Moana too, for that matter. The, yeah, there's, there's something about waking up to this idea that this is not the only person that you've ever been. Right. And that I'm not saying that it's true. I'm saying that it, it's a, profoundly world expanding idea to toy with. Right. Well, and there's some science behind recognizing sure. that essentially all of your parts and cells right now yeah. are, you know, culmination of every ancestor in your lineage. Yeah. And the learnings that they had. Yeah. DNA memory is not a, a, a hokey woo-woo kind of thing that is uh, very relatively well understood they don't understand how it works but they definitely right. know that it exists that there are learnings that are passed down and if you think about how deep those might go you it doesn't take much to start to imagine that everything that has ever happened to anyone could exist somewhere inside here, which is what Jung was saying when he talked about the collective unconscious anyway. Right. He wasn't talking about it as this like floating cloud like the internet that we're all hooked up to. He was right. talking about a thing that's inside you because you are a human that has come from a line of humans and it's a very long line. Dude. <laughs> all right. That was pretty <laughs> trippy at the end there. Yeah. How we do just. <laughs> 59 minutes and 41 seconds i think Fame. we're good should we ask our editor to just end with dude dude yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then cut, credits, cut roll, credits. <laughs> roll credits we did it dude. we said it all <laughs>
Well, I, I look it. forward to seeing you again next week. Uh, thanks for watching, Fabulous. dear friend. And yeah, we'll see you next time. TV Deeply, we love you all. Bye. Bye.